Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The entire premise of the occult is that if you, you know, eat eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like God. And it just floored me that I hadn't even fallen for some, you know, new lie. This was the this was the first that led to the fall, and that's what it was leading to in my life. Welcome to the Elisa Childers Podcast. I've got a great episode for you today. I'm going to introduce you to someone I met recently when I was speaking at a conference at a church in Arizona. She's the social media director for Redeemer Bible Church in Arizona. She helps with worship. She was up there leading worship for this women's conference, and it was just such a sweet time of worship. It was just lovely. And we began to talk after, and she shared a bit of her story with me. And after I heard a little bit of her story, I thought, I really want to have her on the podcast to share with you what God has done in her life and where he's brought her and what he's brought her out of. So with that said, Jack Marino, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you, you, you know, you prayed about it and you said, I think, I think it's, it's good to go. I'm going to share my story. So thanks so much for being brave and willing to do that today. Aww, thank you so much. It's such a privilege and I'm so thankful too. Well, great. I want to get in. I want to start by just you sharing kind of your background, because I think sometimes that's so relevant to people's stories and some of the, maybe the movements they've gotten swept up in and that God's brought them back out of. Sometimes that backstory is so relevant to maybe being vulnerable to believing a false type of spirituality. And so tell us a little bit about your growing up. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Um, What was that like for you? Yes, um, I grew up in San Diego, and I believed I was a Christian. I started going to a, a Methodist church when I was in preschool. I went there for my preschool. Um, my dad played drums in the worship band, and I believed at a young age that Jesus was Lord, but I didn't know what that meant. There wasn't really a depth to my understanding of of what that meant. It was just something that I would imagine when I was scared. I knew the Lord's prayer as I um, grew up, but I didn't have a firm understanding of the gospel or of um, why it matters that Jesus is Lord. And I um, just kind of clung to the very small amount of knowledge that I had. But when I was um, that age also, I was sexually abused, and that led to a lot of confusion and a lot of pain and a lot of guilt. And even though it wasn't in my um, immediate family, it was it was very close to me. And so there was a lot of confusion around that. And I started rebelling at a very young age. Um, when I was five, my parents separated because my dad had a um, drug and alcohol problem and it wasn't safe for us to be around that anymore. 
but I had a very close and what I considered healthy relationship with my dad. So that really upset me. And I still remember when my mom took us to that new safe apartment and just hearing that my dad wasn't going to be coming home and just how, how much pain there was in that. And so even though at a young age, I did grow up technically in the church. Once my parents separated, we stopped going to church except for on Christmas and Easter. And But I still thought I was a Christian. My family still said we were Christians. I just didn't have a firm foundation of what that actually meant, and I didn't see faith lived out. How old were you when your parents separated and when kind of seems like you had a bit of trauma at a young age? Um, So how old were you when all that was going on? I was five when my parents separated, and I was probably um, around—I honestly don't know how old I was when the abuse started, but uh, probably around two, Mm. um, and it continued until I was around seven. Wow. So you mentioned that you've said a couple times, I thought I was a Christian. I wonder if you can unpack that a little bit more for us, because I think that can be a really confusing thing for people who grow up in the church— like, was I a Christian? And when you process that question in within the scope of your own story, um, how do you analyze that now from this vantage point looking back? Um, now I don't believe I was truly a Christian or that I was truly born again, because even though I, I think I was just a Christian by name. I thought that if your family was Christian, then you were Christian, if you would also believe that Jesus was Lord. And so it was just a very um, wrong conception of what it really means to be a Christian, what it really means to believe Jesus is Lord and follow Christ. And that really followed me um, throughout my life of me just thinking, oh, well, I'm a Christian because I once said a prayer. I once believed that Jesus was Lord, and I still do. And sometimes I imagine him when I'm afraid, but I didn't I didn't have a true biblical faith. So for how many years did your family sort of stay away from church with the exception of going on holidays? And um, maybe this would be a good time to sort of transition into getting into the part of your story where you began to become attracted to the occult or, you know, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't something that happened overnight. What did that look like for you? Well, I, when I was very young, probably around, um, five or six, I started seeing things and I thought that they were the angels of my dad's friends who had passed away. But um, I somehow found out about aliens and that made more sense to me. They were, it was just lights in the sky and it was this very um, deep, familiar feeling I felt when I saw them. I felt very connected to these entities and I had felt very isolated in the secrecy of the abuse. I didn't tell anyone what had, what was happening. And so I, but I believed that these entities knew me and understood me. And I had this just deep familiarity with them. And then when I learned about UFOs from someone, I just started, okay, well, these must be, that must be what this is then, which led into me having a fascination for aliens. Um, I didn't share it with a lot of people because I did feel almost like it was special to me or more so that I was special to them. And so I really clung to this um, belief that that these were familiar beings. I felt comforted by them. I felt like they understood me. Um, and even though I was so young, this um, 
continued and I didn't know that that was new age or anything. I was too young for that, but it was, it was a huge part of my identity because I found so much peace in that. Mm. And, um, even though my parents, um, had stopped going to church and I wasn't around that, um, those Christian beliefs or even the teaching at church, I kind of continued down a path of being rebellious, um, acting out. And I, um, when I was seven, I received a call from my mom that the person who had been abusing me was caught abusing someone else. And I was terrified that I was going to be found out for what had been happening. And I just told myself that if I never thought about it again, then I could rewrite my life and I could kind of live out my dreams and have a fairy tale kind of by just making life what I wanted to. As long as I believed it enough, as long as I never thought about the abuse again, I could actually believe and and make my life so that it had never happened. And that's what I decided to do. And so that again, left me very isolated, but I just told myself I would never think about it again. And I went through my life really just suppressing any thought of that the abuse had happened. Mm. And um, when I was around seven, um, that I was somewhere and I really believed that I saw um, a dark entity that I believed to be a demon telling me to, to kind of follow this, this path, his path. And I knew it was wrong. Just like when I was acting out before, I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but I just wanted to have fun, have pleasure and do what I wanted to do then. But this was more of um, me seeing something and feeling like I was being summoned down this path. I knew it was wrong, but I told myself that I'd go back to being who I was supposed to be later. I would go back to doing the right thing later. But for now, I was going to follow this path um, of what seemed like this weird familiarity. Mm. And that was a big turning point in my life where I really um, started to forsake the very small amount that I knew of the true Jesus for this um, rebellion. You're not the first person that I've talked with or heard stories from who came out of a new age type situation or mm. even the occult to connect that with this concept of aliens. Mm. And um, I, I believe it was Stephen Bancars when I was talking with him, There, that's really what got him into the new age in, in the first place. And I'm curious if you could sort of unpack that a little bit more for us, because I'm going to just assume there's probably a lot of people listening to this or watching this who might have had similar experiences or might even be having similar experiences. And, and I want to continue with your story as well. But I'd love for you to just unpack what is that connection with New Age and this whole concept of aliens? I remember in the, gosh, it was the 90s, and the X-Files was so huge, and everybody was just obsessed with aliens. It was just like this uh, cultural phenomenon. Um, and I remember even as a teenager reading a book about a guy that had been supposedly been abducted by aliens and the draw. Now I was I was a Christian, a very deep believer in the Lord, but I remember wrestling with what felt like a really seductive draw into what I was reading in this book. And I, I became very fascinated with the whole thing. And I remember I just read this book in like a day or two. And uh, it, it definitely, there were spiritual ramifications. I, I maybe wouldn't have known quite how to identify what those were, but there really was like this very seductive draw to it. So I wonder if you could help shine some light on what's going on with all of that. 
Well, I'm very glad that you worded it as a very seductive draw because that's truly what it felt like to me. There was just such a pull of this familiarity. Um, mm. And I think that's a huge part in the new age is that there's these entities that I now believe are, are definitely demons, but there's, we wouldn't, um, if those kind of things didn't lure us, we wouldn't desire them. But I was so enticed by the idea that there were these beings that were outside of this reality and that I could have a relationship with them in some sense. And it just gave me a sort of um, promise of control over my reality that if there were these powerful beings, I could somehow, um, I was special to them and, and that gave me some kind of power. And that was a huge pull. And also just that there was more to this life if there was life not on earth. It kind of gave that the supernatural just is so alluring because it gives the promise of there being more than this physical reality, but it it um, most of the time denies Christ. Mm. So you are finding yourself enticed by this, what you've described as a dark entity. Where did things mm -hmm. go from there? Well, I continued um, just very much down a path of rebellion, acting out sexually and just um, living in sin and lying all the time. I developed um, an eating disorder. I was bulimic and anorexic. I was self-harming and I was just putting on um, a happy face and ha I had a good image to authority figures. I tried to keep everything under wraps, but inside I was in so much torment. I was so unhappy. I felt like I had thoughts that weren't my own. And I I was just dying for some kind of relief, some kind of um, peace from this anguish I felt inside. And so I was searching for some kind of control over my reality, some kind of power from some other way, because I didn't want to, ultimately, I didn't, I didn't want Christ because I didn't want to obey um, the Bible. I wanted to do things my way. I wanted to rebel. I loved my sin. And so I pursued a cult that at that time I didn't know was a cult, but more supernatural things so that I could have that kind of power and promise of control over my reality without submitting to the authority of scripture. And I, once I got in high school, I always said that I would never drink or do drugs because I saw it truly destroy my dad's life. He was he really struggled um, with his addictions, but I started drinking and doing drugs because I just was desperate to forget what had happened, to have peace, um, and to just be able to escape my physical pain. I was just felt like I was in anguish inside myself. And the first time I drank, I knew that I'd made a huge mistake because I didn't want to feel any way but that way for the rest of my life. Um, for the first time, I forgot the abuse. I forgot my pain. I forgot all the sins that I'd committed in that moment. At least they were dulled. And I knew that's just how I wanted to feel. And so I pursued drinking was my new everything. And I pursued it like crazy and also drugs. And during this time, the book, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne came out when I was in high school. And I was seeking for ways to try to make sense of what I had been experiencing with the seeing things and the aliens and just th these experiences that were so personal and they felt like my destiny. Um, and when the book, The Secret came out, it was 
talking about the law of attraction, which was very much that your thoughts can create your life and you can have anything um, that you want, anything that you dream, anything that you imagine, which was very familiar to me having grown up just with a sincere love for Disney, obsessed with Disney. It was such um, a happy thing for me to be able to escape and think about the magic and the sorcery in Disney. Um, and just that kind of came through in the secret, but it was real. And that excited mm. me that there was this, okay, there's that, but this, this makes sense now. It's familiar to me because this is real. Um, and at that time, I believe it was a top seller. It was pretty, um, I remember. You know, yeah. So it wasn't secret or weird. It was more kind of out there in pop culture, mm -hmm. but it really did change my thoughts because now I could have this relationship with the universe, which kind of brought in the idea of aliens and still have control over my reality and have peace and have all the things that I was really longing for. Mm. So how far, how far did this go for you? I remember when we talked uh, at the women's conference, you even mentioned that you were attending meet meetings at a Mason Lodge. And uh, so, so mm -hmm. how, and I, I think it's very intriguing that you said you didn't know it was the occult, but you were pursuing this type of supernatural. And, and I think I want to swing back around to that at some point, because I think that especially even as Christians, um, there are a lot of things that masquerade as Christianity. Mm -hmm. When when I was studying the New Age for a chapter I was writing in a book, I, I didn't know much about it, honestly, until I studied it for the first time a few years ago. And I was really surprised to see how much Christian language is used within New Age to try to sell the yes. ideas as, you know, this is a pro-Jesus idea. This is this mm -hmm. is a Christian idea. And they use a lot of the same terminology, like even concepts of atonement and things like that. So I think that's a very interesting point. And, and for people who are watching and listening, I think that's a good warning sign is, is, you know, it's like with false gospels, with things like the occult, it's not like they always just show up on your doorstep and say, hi, I'm a false gospel. Come follow me. You know, it's usually very seductive. It's very tricky. There's a lot of mixing and matching with Christian uh, vocabulary and things like that. And so uh, how, like, how far did this go for you? Did you go, because I don't, I don't, I'm learning really your entire story for the first time right now. Did you end up going into something specific like Wicca or was it just more like a broadly defined spirituality, new age kind of thing? Or how would you describe that? And, and how did that sort of culminate before the Lord brought you out of it? Mm, so I continued in this. It really progressed to where I I still would have called myself a Christian. I still really clung to that I could be a Christian. If anyone kind of confronted me and God was so kind and gracious to bring people into my life who testified that I was in sin, brought me even to Awana, and I that was so kind, but I just loved my sin. And so I got in very toxic relationships. And in one of those um, abusive relationships, my boyfriend started to introduce me to truly the new age. And at that time, I didn't really know what it was, but he, um, we started doing psychedelics and I got very into crystals and astrology and just magic. And I, loved it. It felt like it was my path, my future, my destiny, because it was so familiar, that same familiarity that I felt as a child with those aliens, that same alluring, um, almost lustful desire or temptation that I felt with these occult things was, was with these 
ideas. And so I went full force into it. Um, he was a DJ and at first it was at clubs, but that turned into more Burning Man type of festivals and just being around the culture there and the drugs and the magic. And I was amazed that there was, they even were doing things that when I finally did read the Bible for myself and just the sexual immorality there, um, but just all in the guise of, no, this is good. And you're just being free and you're freeing yourself from the doctrine Mm. that's so oppressive of Christianity. You need to be your true self and find yourself. And the way to do that is to be open. There's no real good or bad. You're making judgments that aren't really there. It's just really changing my mind about these things. And God, again, was so kind and so faithful that while I was there, I knew that it was wrong. My conscience bore witness that this is wrong, but I kept going because I love my sin. And um, this continued until um, by the time that relationship ended, I was terribly addicted to drugs. I was everything. I was having um, terribly terrifying experiences where I genuinely believed that I was possessed. I was asking for these entities to um, to take over my body. I was trying mm. to automatic write and channel. And I just, I loved it. I reveled in it. And after we broke up, the things that I didn't want to do because I, I just, I knew that they were wrong. I, the Lord was so gracious to give me that, that's, that amount of um, holding me back restraint. But once we broke up, before I was saved, people really were my identity. They were my whole world because I didn't really know who I was. And so when we broke up, I just was like, you know what? I need control over my life. And the occult, the real dark occult promises this control. And so if I, 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 I just need to stop being held back by my Christian oppressive dogma. Um, and I need to just go full force into this because if I do, then I'll finally have this power. I knew that there was power behind the occult. I had felt it. I'd had physical manifestations of it, but I knew it was wrong. But now that restraint, I just kind of snapped. And I was living in a studio apartment in Hollywood, and I just obsessively researched um, what I believed that these entities were leading me to research through signs, which ended up being... Um, the ancient Egyptian mystery schools, hermeticism, astrology, tarot, and Kabbalah, and just really obsessively looking into these things. I had clotheslines across my apartment with just like drawings, and I, I was just, I genuinely had lost my mind, and I um, ended up being led to this occult order after years of this that was called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Um, and Aleister Crowley was in it and I knew that he was one of the most wicked men to have ever lived or that he's been called that, but there was this entity, um, an Egyptian deity called Thoth or Toth. And I believe that this entity was leading me and it was that same kind of familiarity when I'd see this entity as with the aliens. And so everything really did feel like it was my destiny or this was who I was. This was always supposed to happen. This was fate. And um, the tarot cards for this Thoth tarot card had that um, order on it. And I ended up joining this order. I, um, I, 
you know, reached out to them and they had an order in LA and they met with, or one person met with me and interviewed me and it was just so dark and I can't even describe how dark it was. Just the, even the atmosphere just felt so heavy and dark, but I was so excited because everything that he was talking about from just everything that he brought up was exactly what I had been led by these entities to study. And so it just seemed, it all made sense. And I was so excited. Um, I felt, I had felt so isolated. And I think that's something the enemy really does is when you mm. get into the stuff, you feel so isolated. You can't really have conversations. But then when, when that person came and everything that I had been so into, um, he was talking about it really made sense to me. And so he told me to go to a Freemason lodge in LA to be initiated. And so I did, and it was the, you know, black robes and all. And, um, I was initiated through this ritual into this order and I would, it was very dark, but I was so excited because I believed that I needed to go into the darkness to shine the light of knowledge in it in order mm. to gain power. And so I became a member and I would go regularly there to practice magic and invoke um, deities, which were demons and um, practice, you know, magic. And it, I was, I had so much pride in it because I felt like I was special, like I did when I was young and mm. I was being really encouraged and told I was moving up so fast and but I was so depraved and I was so wicked and the peace that it had promised just wasn't coming. And I was, I, I was more dark than ever before when mm. I was supposed to be gaining all of this power. Wow. I mean, this is just so fascinating. And a couple bits of your story sort of jumped out at me. Number one, the, the, the point that you felt special. And mm. I, I suspect this is a lot more common than people even know about, just people being drawn into things like this because of, yes, the power that you're promised, the peace that you're promised, but also just sort of creating and carving out this identity that makes you feel uh, like you have something special to offer. It makes you feel like you're you're specially gifted in a certain way. Mm. And I think that's a that's a powerful point. I'm also curious when you said uh, you wanted to to shine the light of knowledge. I don't know if you've looked much into Gnosticism, but that almost sounds mm -hmm. a little bit like ancient Gnosticism. Would you say there's a connection there? The, yes, there was a huge connection. Um, in the Golden Dawn, it was basically like a big mix of um, Kabbalah and Gnosticism and the Bible, like, which is Kabbalah using the Bible and making it into some mystic thing mm -hmm. that it isn't. Um, but it was a mix of that and Wicca and a bunch of other things all together. Um, but at the time I was just so excited to learn this hidden knowledge and to gain the power to have control over the universe. But ultimately I just wanted control over my life. I wanted to make my dreams come true. I wanted, um, I wanted my imagination to become reality, which is, which is what it, they basically promised. Mm. So you're living in an apartment in Hollywood, and you've been initiated into this order. Uh, it's the darkest time of your life. And what happens then? How does the Lord begin to lead you out of this life? Mm. Yeah, um, I was just, I mean, I wish I could communicate how depraved and how just terrible I was. And 
I was truly amazed by that because I was spending hours a day doing rituals and meditations and spells. And I was supposed to be transmuting into this higher person, into this more transcended, more evolved person. And yet I was just wicked and I knew it. My addictions were worse than they'd ever been. I had no control over myself <laughs> at all. And um, I was just amazed. And so the Lord throughout my life was really just so gracious to put people in my life who who kept planting seeds that I, I couldn't shake. And so throughout this whole time, even at the darkest of it, I tried to make Christianity fit. I told myself mm. I was a Christian. Mm. There were a couple times when I, you know, thought I was pagan, but I was just more of an evolved Christian. But for the most part, even when I joined this order, I joined it because the symbol of this order had a cross on it. And so I told myself, oh, it must be fine if you're a Christian because there's a cross. And so just making these distinctions of, oh, I'm not practicing black magic, I'm practicing white magic. And just the things that I could do to convince myself, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm just, you know, I don't, the Bible isn't my authority. You know, what I, what I believe about Christianity is my authority and I believe Jesus is Lord. And, and the order actually said that you can be a Christian in this order. Christ is a big part of it. And so things just get messed up when you change the definitions of words. And I didn't understand that. And so, but people were testifying and I was, I never had peace with what I was doing, whether it was in high school or in the bad relationships or in the, you know, music festivals or in the occult order, I knew deep down that what I was doing was wrong. And when I was in this order, even when I was being initiated, I knew that Satan was behind it. Mm. I, but I refused to believe it. And I kept telling myself, you should just keep going and find out. You should just, but what if he's not? And just kind of the curiosity and the just wanting to find out um, and, and really just being rebellious, I kept going. And so that was just so kind of God to, that I never felt the peace there. But because of that, I was, I was searching, um, still. And, and so I was listening to the radio and a sermon came on and I had been, you know, reading the Bhagavad Gita. Hinduism is also, um, a big part of it and just other texts, religious texts trying to gain truth. And so I thought, well, I might as well read, you know, some of the Bible. Um, and a sermon came on when I was driving. I didn't realize it was a sermon or else I probably would have turned it off, but I recognized it as the truth. Something in me just was like, this is what I've been searching for. What is this? And at the end I found out it was a Christian pastor and I was like, what? This is Christianity. I had thought Christianity was so old and dumb and just, you know, not enlightened, but this was such rich truth that I was, I was floored and I really, really could not shake that. I had a grandpa that I hadn't visited in years come out of nowhere and visit and just sat me down, asked me how my relationship with God was. I told him it was better than it had ever been because I was exploring all these paths and I had so much knowledge and he just said, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, and you will go to hell, like if you die in your sins. Um, and I was shaking, but mm. something in me, I knew, I knew it was true. And so as I'm going, 
as I'm in this order, as I'm doing these rituals, as I'm trying to justify what I'm doing, I, I couldn't shake that. And so I started reading the Bible and I read that you can tell a tree by its fruit. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, but when I was at the order, I just knew that the people, even though I loved them, they were just as depraved as me. And it was clear. And I just was like very confused that if these people are high up in this secret order that I have so much pride for being in, and yet they're just as depraved as me, how is this a good thing? And then I read that Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light, which was shocking to me because I had been telling myself, this can't be bad if it feels this good. This mm. can't be bad if, you know, the light of knowledge and and all of this, these ideas that I'm gaining, I'm being enlightened. How can this be dark? Well, that was okay. Then I knew I'd already known, but then I really knew, but I was still, um, so prideful that I was like, well, you know, I'm still going to find out for sure. Maybe it's not. And then just one night I remembered the first, um, the fall of man in Genesis three, that the lie is that if you eat the tree of the knowledge from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like God knowing good and evil. And that is the entire premise of the occult is that if you, you know, eat, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like God. And it just floored me that I hadn't even fallen for some, you know, new lie. This was the this was the first that led to the fall and that's what it was leading to in my life. It wasn't giving me peace. It wasn't giving me control. You know, I was a drug addict. I was miserable and I had no control even over my life, let alone the universe. And I, I was just like, this is, the Bible is true. This is what it is. But I was still so prideful that I didn't turn. And then one night, just like any other night, I was walking across my apartment and I collapsed to my knees and it felt like my soul was being sucked out into just complete, absolute darkness. And I heard myself scream, Jesus Christ, save me. And it shocked me to hear myself scream that, but I meant it. And in that moment, I had peace, the peace that I had been searching for all my life. And I knew beyond any doubt that the God of the Bible, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is the only true God and that I had sinned grievously, terribly against him and that truly all the things that I'd been doing were sin against God. And I was terrified and I was shaking and I made it over to my Bible and I just started reading it. Um, I was I was terrified <laughs> and I wanted to know this, this God that's real. And as I was reading at first, I still really thought I have this secret knowledge and that really tripped me up in how the, the occult beliefs really got me is thinking I have this secret knowledge that no one else has. So I'm, you know, above the Bible, but as I'm reading, it fed me, everything else had left me emptier than before but this actually was feeding me. And so I read like crazy. And once I finished reading the Bible, I realized that I had completely changed on the inside um, out. And that amazed me because I had spent years doing so many works and rituals and things to change anything and have control over anything, but nothing worked. It was all, um, 
a delusion. It was just empty. It was deceitful. But just the living word of God and this small amount of faith that I had that Jesus is who he says he is in the Bible. And I had completely changed from the inside out. And I knew for the first time in my life that I could get sober. And that was stunning to me because I genuinely was at the point that I was like, it's too late for me. Um, Mm. But I, and I, I genuinely didn't believe I could be saved. And so just the fact that I had been, you know, washed and regenerated, I was stunned. And so I just kind of locked myself in my little apartment and by God's grace, I got sober, just clinging to him and clinging to him in prayer. And he was so faithful um, in his word, just it amazed me. And then I got involved in a church and um, yeah, the rest is history, but it was, it was truly stunning to me that how the enemy really does this flip that, you know, this Christianity is trying to hold you back, but this is, you know, the truth when in reality, God's God is true and and in Christ are, are all the mysteries, you know, and it's just it's amazing how 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 Jesus really is the true light and everything else is just a lie. Well, that is such a beautiful story. And one of the things that stands out to me about your particular story as you describe being in your apartment and just crying out to Jesus Christ to save me. I uh, just want to note, you know, you didn't have to have this service where there's an hour of worship mm-hmm. sort of prepping the room and getting the mood going. You know, this was an encounter you had with God. Um, but I've heard so many stories like yours where it's like you're in your apartment and you cry out to Jesus. And I think it, it one of the things that that really stands out to me about your story, too, is that, you know, you're in your apartment, you're crying out to Jesus Christ to save you. But you also said that in this order that you were initiated into, Jesus played a role. Like he was Mm -hmm. in, you know, whatever their definition of Jesus was, invited to be a part of things. So what was your view of Jesus when you were in the occult uh, versus the Jesus that you cried out to that night in your apartment? Well, sadly, um, it was taught that Christ was basically Osiris, um, the Egyptian deity. And we even took um, communion to Osiris in a very similar way. And it was basically just terrible blasphemy, taking the things about Jesus and ascribing them to Osiris and almost saying that, you know, Jesus is, he is the Christ, but he's almost like a lesser incarnation of Osiris. Um, and just the way that that they would say you can believe in Jesus, but it's it's not at all the Jesus of the Bible. And so when you when you say that you believe in Jesus, but it's a different Jesus, it's so important to describe, okay, what do you mean when you say Jesus? What do you mean when you say Christ? Because a lot of the time in the occult, Christ could be Christ consciousness, the idea that or the idea that you can become Christ. We're all Christ. We just have to awaken. And Christ just came to show what it's like to have a right relationship with God. And we can all have those powers. So whether it was in the new age or the occult or that specific order, um, Christ was involved, but it's not the Christ of the Bible. That's good. That's good. And if anybody's listening or watching and you want to learn more about specifically the, the concept of Christ consciousness, I have a 
nearly four-hour podcast with Stephen Bankars on that universal Christ, Christ consciousness. If you want to know a little bit more about what that's all about, you can look back in the archives for that. But Jack, I want to ask you um, if you'll comment on something, because part of your mm -hmm. story was um, psychedelics, taking psychedelic drugs as part of, uh, you know, I'm assuming to to achieve some kind of enlightenment or spiritual awareness of some sort. And one of the phenomenon we're seeing I mean, I'm, it's not not like this is anything new, but I've noticed even in the whole deconstruction movement where people are sort of deconstructing out of Christianity and into either non-belief or into some kind of a broader spirituality, a New Age type thing, or progressive Christianity, whatever it might be, um, I'm noticing it pop up a little more that psychedelics are playing a role. And you know what's what's kind of interesting to me when I hear your story, and even I've shared my dad's story on the podcast of you know he was searching for God in the '60s as a hippie through psychedelics and uh, Eastern mysticism and a lot of different things, and then he found he came to Christ out of that, and now I mm -hmm. think it's interesting we're seeing some people leave Christianity and try some of this other type stuff, and so I wanted to read a tweet. Uh, thread here that I'd love to get you to comment on. Um, this is from Audrey Assad, uh, you know, just a, for many people, a beloved songwriter and singer, and uh, she's sort of been in this process of deconstruction and walking away from, um, you know, I, I, it's a nuanced journey, and I'm not here to, you know, dunk on her or anything like that. But I, when I saw this tweet thread, it really made me so sad, because it seems like when people deconstruct out of the truth, they'll try so many different things to try to feel better or be happy or achieve some kind of enlightenment. And so she wrote this on Twitter. She said, just over two years ago, I took my first therapeutic dose of psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, I was feeling rather desperate, still riddled with symptoms of PTSD and OCD, which uh, had finally begun interrupting my daily life with regular anxiety attacks. I had become a functional nihilist, losing complete touch with religious belief, which for me at the time contributed to my feeling low and stuck in a fog. I felt I couldn't even know whether love was real. A very close friend recommended I try psychedelics, and after reading uh, the book How to Change Your Mind, I knew in my gut it was for me. So just over two years ago, in the woods of Tennessee, I took nearly five grams of, um, not sure how to say this word, psilocybin, and emerged from that long, beautiful, brutal night with hope in my heart and healing in my body. I began to lose food allergies. I stopped biting my nails. My eating disorder symptoms went quiet. And wildest of all, I felt I had met the divine love that undergirds this universe for the first time and the billionth time all at once. And Jack, I'd love to give your to get your thoughts on that because you've been on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to get your thoughts on this is because I can see how compelling that might be to someone who's had a lot of trauma, maybe sexual abuse in their past, eating disorders, addictions, and, you know, they're they're slugging it out, trying to live for God, and nothing's working, and then they read this and think, well, that sounds very hopeful. Maybe that's something I should try. What 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 would you comment on that? And maybe, you know, my, my main goal in reading that, again, is not to dunk on her, but maybe if anybody had read that and is tempted to to try something like that out of desperation, what would you have to say? 
Yeah, I read a similar tweet from her a while ago and my heart was just broken because I even think back to the word sorcery in the Bible and just how it's uh, pharmakia. And I'm sure Stephen could explain this much better than me, but just the fact that it does have to do um, with taking um, I, things like that from my understanding and just what a big part that is in in these movements because you, there is a response that you have, and I genuinely believe it opens up the door to demonic activity. Um, and there's so many times when people take these, and I, even for me, you have these experiences, and then these experiences start to dictate truth for you. But um, a lot of the time, these experiences contradict Christ, um, which is interesting that that's how it is. And it Another thing is when we depend on anything other than God for for our healing or just at all, that's, you know, idolatry. That's not a good thing. And um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking because um, those those things are very deceptive and um, it's a it's a it's a good way to be deceived. Yeah. Um, and and I, I would imagine, too, with something like that or even the occult and, and different types of things people will try it might even feel like it's working for a while. You know, I think yes. that's the thing that that tricks people is they'll they'll right. take something and be like, well, I feel better. You know, right. how could this be wrong? And I wrote down what you said. You said this can't be bad if it feels this good. And I think that that can be a really deceptive sort of um, inroad into some of these things that are very spiritually dangerous, but they might feel good for a while. They might actually feel like, hey, that worked. Um, you know, and, and so therefore, like you said, it starts to dictate truth to you rather than what scripture has to say on things. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's that's a really important thing to bring out. I want to ask you, you, you mentioned a connection with Disney, and I, mm -hmm. I, I know that I, what I'm about to ask you is going to risk really, you know, this is probably going to be the most controversial thing we we talk about <laughs> should it, I don't know if it should be or not, but you know Christian parents are all you know divided over things like Harry Potter and mm -hmm. um, you know Disney and all kinds of stuff that you see. And I, I think you know growing up, my parents did a pretty good job with that. I remember watching the Smurfs, and my mom said, you know Gargamel uh, is the you know the villain, and he does black magic, and uh, Papa Smurf does magic, but it's not, it's still evil, even though it's white magic. And she was explaining mm -hmm. kind of, even as a kid, the difference That's between funny. white magic and black magic. And just because Papa Smurf's the good guy and he's doing sorcery for good and it's white magic, it's still evil. And then, you know, she explained how the devil comes as an angel of light. And I thought she did a really good job sort of preparing us to parse through some of those things. Um, but, you know, I, and I'm just going to out myself as being one of those people that's, I, I'm concerned about Harry Potter, you know, because I read all the books and, you know, I, I see kids get really sucked into it and it romanticizes a lot of that stuff. And look, and if you're watching and you're a Christian parent and, you, and you're into Harry Potter, don't be mad at me. I know, you know, we're all doing the best we can and I might be wrong. You might be right. You might be wrong and I might be right. We're all doing our best. But I'd love to know your opinion, Jack, just on, mm -hmm. on um, you know, maybe specifically to Christian parents as we, because I've just noticed in all of the media that's aimed at my kids, uh, it was, it was, I think it was Cameron McAllister. I heard him say this, like, it just feels so witchy. Everything feels really witchy right now. You know, have you noticed that there's sort of this um, influx of positive portrayal of witches in the occult? What would your comments be on that? 
yeah, it, it, it blows my mind that that's going on. And I just think it's interesting that these things that God is very clear that he calls abominable. God is, mm-hmm. he doesn't like magic. He doesn't like sorcery. Um, but yet this is what is being pushed on our children. And it, and it did have an effect on me. Um, mm. At Disneyland, there's a show called Fantasmic and it's awesome. And I was obsessed with it. And it was, a, I didn't really understand it or why, but it had a huge impact on my life. And to be honest, there's, there's a lot of the things that I don't remember about that really dark period in my life. And I think that's a kindness of God. But when I was driving to be initiated at this Freemason Lodge, I was blasting the music to Fantasmic because it suddenly made so much sense. All of the occult connections in the way the story is and what it what it really means or like the higher meaning of it. And I was just like, this is what I've been being. How could this be bad if this is my earliest memories are of this and this it all made makes so much sense. And it put a lot into my justifying what I was doing because how can this be bad if this, it just, it seemed like it was my destiny. And so, um, and in that, you know, it's, there's just magic and sorcery and the transmuting of darkness to light and that your imagination is everything. Um, I'm trying to think of the song Phantasmic. It says, see, see it in your mind and you can find in your imagination. And then it goes on, but the whole um, a cult is just, you know, literally see it in your mind and mm. then you can, your dr- you can make your dreams come true by doing what he was doing in the show. And so, um, you know, I can only speak from my own experience. And when I see it now, it's especially clear because it did have a huge effect on me that how, when I was in a Freemason lodge doing magic rituals, it didn't seem that weird because I grew up watching that. Even mm. the princess and the frog, you know, like I'm so glad you said that about the Smurfs because the princess and the frog, the bad guy does black magic, but Mama Odie does white magic and she's the good one. Well, God doesn't, God hates all magic. There mm. is no good magic. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're, when I was doing magic, I could justify it because it just, I just think it's very dangerous. Um, I'm sure that there are Christians that work at Disney and I don't want to, you know, draw a hard line, but just it is definitely concerning that this is what is being pushed out to kids. And and I don't want to say it doesn't have any effect because it had a huge effect on my life to the point that that's what I was listening to. And that's what it was encouraging me as I drive to put on a black robe and be hoodwinked in Mm. a Freemason lodge, you know? Yeah. Are there practices you see in the church that from your background you look at and you recognize a similarity uh, that causes you concern, where maybe, you know, just the church at large, things that you're Mm -hmm. seeing, uh, practices maybe that you're not seeing in the Bible, but maybe they have some similarity with what you went through in in your story. What what would you comment on that? Um, Well, the Enneagram, which I know is a hot topic, but I was amazed when I was um, looking back at some of my old material, I typed, I don't even know what I was looking for, but there's a whole page on the Enneagram mm. in my Order of the Golden Dawn material. And that blew my mind <laughs> because I had heard the first time I saw the Enneagram, I was like, that looks very occult. But just the fact that that it is and it's in you know that material, um, it blows my mind that it's in the church 
as a Christian thing when it's not. Um, so that, which, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, in the hyper charismatic movement, just the, sometimes it's hard for me to talk about what happened in the order just because of the, the, not threats, but just the way your promise to secrecy. But I know that's, um, I know uh, he who's in me is greater than he who's in the world. But yeah. in some of the rituals, like when you're evoking these demons, these entities or deities, they would say, you are encouraged to like laugh hysterically and act like animals. And, and when I see that in the church under the saying that this is the Holy Spirit, um, it truly amazes me because it is so familiar to me and it mm. is not from a Christian um, setting that I'm familiar with that. It is it is almost, I could put what happened in that Freemason Law ritual room and what's happening in a church and they look identical and that is deeply concerning to me. And that amazed me when I um, was saved and started going to church and, and I'm seeing this and I'm thinking, no, this is yeah. not, this is not uh, God, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And especially, I think, too, because, you know, there can be counterfeits of the real thing that right. happen. But right. we don't, there's no biblical concept of laughing hysterically. And, you know, I mean, there's a couple of proof texts people, you know, bring out for that. But in Kosti Hinn's book, uh, not God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel, but Defining Deception, the first one, you know, he goes through some of those scriptures. And I encourage everybody to read that, which, you know, mm -hmm. you are a member of Kosti's church. So there's there's a little, when I got my phone call coming, it said Kosti Hinn calling. And I thought, wait, that's confusing. But yeah, because you're at the church. And that's why, that, <laughs> that's why it was said that. But yeah, just, you know, I recommend um, his books. I just finished God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. Just great stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's really the main key. It's not like there's this Christian practice that the occult is mimicking. I mean, that could that could happen right. as well. But what you're talking about is something that's foreign to the Bible, and you right. know it from the occult, and you're seeing it come into the church. And that's really a concern, and that's a concern for me as well. Well, in a moment, we're going to go to the subscriber portion of our interview. This is where... Patreon supporters get to ask questions of my guest as a part of a, a private Facebook group. So if you're interested in learning more about our Patreon group, you can go to patreon.com slash Alisa Childers. Take a look at the different tiers. There's different mm -hmm. benefits for different tiers. You can do that. And uh, and then get, get access to these bonus episodes that are, you know, five, 10 minutes of extra material with each guest where you get to ask the questions. You can check that out. Um, Jack, before we go into that portion, though, I'd like to leave our guests with some encouragement. Um, you know, final word for you. What would you say to everybody who's watched this whole thing? Maybe they've got somebody who's being sucked into some of this. Mm -hmm. Maybe they themselves are being sucked into it. Um, just what encouragement would you leave us with today? I would just say that um, no matter what deception you're in, no matter what pain you're in, no matter what you're going through, the Bible is true and it is sufficient and we can rely on on, on it as the truth. And what amazed me and continues to amaze me every day is that you can, I dove deep into this stuff and you could too, but it would end up being a lie. And, and it's not going to give you peace or satisfaction, maybe momentarily, but it's deception. It's an illusion. Um, it lures you in and entices you, but it's not truly good. And what's amazing is how truly good Christ is and that there truly is freedom in Christ and just the peace of God. Um, so 
I just would encourage you that whatever you're searching for um, in the occult, you're, it's, it's a lie and it just ends in your destruction. But you can rely on God's word and Jesus Christ is amazing and you're never too far gone to be saved. And I'm just amazed truly by the love of God shown through us in Christ. Amen. Well, I want to thank my guest, Jack Marino, for joining me today. What an amazing story of God's grace and faithfulness to walk her out of such darkness. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, hit the like button, leave a comment. All of that helps with the algorithms to get this into the news feeds of more people so that more people will come across it and get to hear this amazing message. If you saw this post on social media, uh, again, clicking like, share, leaving a comment, it really helps get the word out. If you're listening on iTunes, leaving a review really helps. Spotify, Google, all that stuff. Anything you can do to help get those algorithms going so we can get this into the hands of more people so that they'll hear this message would be great. Thanks so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big